Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So, if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So, if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So, let's get started. Again, Happy New Year. This is January the 2nd, 2019. Really hard to believe, isn't it? Well, we'll be studying uh, the Proverbs. We'll be uh, <clears throat> finishing up a few Proverbs from chapter 25. We'll be uh, starting uh, verse 26, and then we'll uh, in, uh, we'll uh, continue through chapter 26 all the way down to verse 22. So we'll uh, we'll kind of ask a question. Um, how do you deal with social circumstances? How do you deal with um, uh, situations where you're in, um, where you're surrounded by people that perhaps are not like you? How do you deal with that? How do you deal with fools? How do you deal with the wicked? How do you deal with lazy people or sluggards? And as I was preparing for this, the thought kind of came into my mind. We've been talking about having a Christ-centered heart, and then I thought about what it feels like to be self-centered. So you've got kind of different ways to look at the same party, different ways to look at the same gathering of people. You can go into a party being Christ-centered, or you can go into a party being self-centered. And then you can go into a party being self-conscious, and then you can go into a party being Christ-conscious. And, of course, I think being Christ-centered and being Christ-conscious are our goals. Of course, it is possible, I suppose, to be Christ-centered and self-conscious, but you wouldn't be very effective. Christ-centered being keeping your heart centered on Christ and His purposes and His plans, keeping your relationship with Him centered but then if you allow sometimes your own circumstances to, to um, remove that, you displace that Christ-centeredness with self-centeredness. <clears throat> Being Christ-conscious, I would say, is where you are conscious of everything that you think would please Christ. It's just sort of a continuation of being Christ-centered. It produces that Christ-conscious behavior. But I think sometimes we're, we're so attuned to be self-centered, and that self-centeredness produces self-conscious behavior. And so um, when we take self-consciousness to an extreme, 
Um, we get foolish behavior, you know, denying God. We get uh, lazy behavior or the sluggard behavior, which people just are so self-absorbed they don't want to do anything. Or they just get downright wicked behavior. They just they have to manufacture the things around them to produce um, things to gratify their own uh, self, their own self-centeredness. So I just was thinking about that. Uh, uh, Christ-centeredness, Christ-centered behavior, Christ-conscious behavior versus um, self-centeredness and self-conscious behavior. So, maybe that will be helpful, I don't know. But, um, verse 26, like a muddled spring or a polluted fountain is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. A muddled spring. Have you ever been, like, on a hike and then found it and you, you're, you're wanting to, to have a spring where you can drink from and it's just polluted? Or just the, the pipes in your house bringing good water into your house. How it feels to all of a sudden have mud in the pipes or the pipes break and now the clean water is no longer clean. Same thing as when you're a righteous man and you give way and allow your own principles to be corrupted. It's the same thing with having a Christ-centered heart. You, you have that for a while. You have Christ-centered behavior, Christ-consciousness. And then that gives way all of a sudden, and you get polluted. And then all of a sudden, your heart's not Christ-centered anymore. So disappointing is that. No one can come and, and drink from that water because it's polluted. The principles have been corrupted. Verse 27, it's not good to eat much honey, nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. Don't eat too much honey or you'll get sick. You'll get a stomachache, right? Little kids know that, or they should know that. They'll find that out. But if we go around seeking our own self, again, this goes back to being self-centered. If you just keep going over and over and over in a self-centered fashion, it's not good. It's not glorious. And you end up not really bringing any glory for yourself. The people who bring glory for themselves are the people who think of others. And put others first. Other people will notice that and see that in your behavior. We call those people conceited people. People who are so self-absorbed, that becomes their behavior pattern. And nobody really likes to be around a conceited person. That proverb is so true. <clears throat> so again, don't be self so self-conscious, so self-absorbed. It's so much more healthy for you to be Christ-conscious, to be Christ-centered. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Discipline, discipline from the Lord is what we're talking about. The discipline and wisdom from God is the, the wisdom that will allow you to live in a healthy manner. It's the same thing. If you don't have discipline or self-control or godly principles, you can't have righteousness. And it's just like basically a city that's been broken into. Um, a city with no, no law, no order. Um, a city just that's... Um, you see the effects of a city with no social morals. 
You see trash all over the streets, crime. People are scared. And dangerous people, thieves can come and go as they want. That's that's like a man without self-control. You allow thieves into your own life, into your own soul. They come and go as they want. Verse 20, uh, excuse me, chapter 26, verse 1. <clears throat> like a snow in the summer or rain at harvest, so is honor. So honor is not fitting for a fool. Fools deny God, as David said. Fools are people who deny the, the wisdom and the presence of God. Only a fool could deny. Look around the world. <clears throat> but we have so much educated, so many educated people in so many colleges. You know, they're saying that they just deny God totally. They're like atheists, but they they hide behind these uh, PhDs or educated uh, titles that they might have. They can't explain anything any more than the the simplest person in town. They can't explain where we came from or how we got here. They don't know. But they place their faith in themselves. They place their faith in their own degrees of wisdom like they're going to be able to explain the mysteries of the universe <coughs> excuse me snow doesn't come in the summer or rain is not really welcome at harvest time honor <coughs> for a fool someone who claims that there is no God someone that is so self-centered that they deny all of God's wisdoms, God's principles and righteousness. That honor just doesn't fit the fool. It's like having snow in the summer. <clears throat> Verse 2, like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying. A curse that is causeless does not alight. In other words, like birds fly around that doesn't seem like they have any, any really sense. They just go from one tree to another and you can't really plan what, where a bird's going to go. Of course, like... <clears throat> They sort of migrate. You can sort of plan on that. But otherwise, um, I think what the verse is meaning is just like birds fly where they want. You can't really figure that out. And it's, that's kind of how like having a curse is with no cause to back it up. <clears throat> Ungodly people can try to curse you <clears throat> for your faith. But it's God. God protects the righteous. And those curses from godless people won't land on you any more than a bird can be predicted where it's going to land. Verse 3, a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. Fools are so <clears throat> untrustworthy. Um, <clears throat> of course, they deny wisdom that, that comes from God and they're going to they're going to believe in whatever is good for them. Whatever is good for their own stomach. Whatever is good for their own ego. Whatever is good for their own um, self-consciousness or self-awareness. <clears throat> they are really led by their own sense of self-identity. Their own conceit for their own self or self-interest is what leads them to form their opinions and to form their friendships and to form their decision-making. <clears throat> That's what fools do. They look out for themselves. Their morality 
is a boat without a rudder. It's wherever wherever the stream carries the boat that fulfills their own self-interest. That's, that's their morality. And that's kind of like um, what you have to do to a horse to make it go where it needs to go. You have to, like, hit him with a whip to make him go left or right, or you have to nudge him because he doesn't know. He's just going to go where to whatever smells good. <clears throat> and that's really what it boils down to the wisdom of fools answer verse 4 answer not a fool according to his folly lest you become lest you be like him yourself so <clears throat> if you're if you get in an argument with a fool you're going to look like a fool okay so beware when you're dealing with fools they're so self-absorbed they're not going to see your point of view if you're arguing with a fool. So you have to be careful when you argue with a fool. They're self-conscious. They're self-centered. They're self-absorbed. Verse 5, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. <clears throat> so verse 5 and verse 4 are kind of like each other and kind of not like each other. Verse 4 warns you to not get in an argument with a fool lest you look like a fool. But then, verse 5 says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. In other words, there's a time for you to answer the fool. Okay? And if you answer, answer the fool, you can answer it so that he not sit there and just be wise in his own eyes. You can answer him to instruct him but you've got to be careful how you answer him because if you get into an argument with a fool, you'll look like a fool. But <clears throat> there's a time and a place and a way to try to answer a fool leather, lest a fool be just completely wise in his own eyes. So you may not win the argument with the fool, but you have to choose your words wisely because just being in an argument with a fool right there is probably a fool's errand, no pun intended. So just be careful on that. What great wisdom for us all. <clears throat> and I think many a Christian probably falls in the trap of trying to argue with fools. You know, and then the Christian looks like just a hothead. Hey, hey you know, one thing I see on TV sometimes is when you see Christian people, you know, and they'll put these Christian people on a show with an atheist professor. And they're supposed to debate stuff, you know. And the Christian just looks foolish at the end because they make them look like a fool on TV. It makes the Christian just look like they believe in fantasies and fairy tales and things like that. And that the educated professor is the smartest person, you know. You have to be careful when you try to answer a, cool, a fool according to their own folly, you know. The premise is, of course, that uh, the only this you know that Christians are uneducated people who don't believe in science or something like that. We see that a lot in the news media today. Verse six: Whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. In other words, fools are undependable. If you send a message by the hand of a fool, they'll probably do a lot of talking, and then the message will probably be swayed, or the message might be corrupted by their own desire to be self-centered in their own eyes, or you, you just can't trust a fool to 
say something that perhaps they disagree with you, if that is the message. Isn't it interesting that the gospel message of Jesus Christ was not given to fools? Okay? And it's constructed in a way that the self-centered people gravitate away from. Have you ever thought about that? God uses his own folly to foil man's wisdom. And the gospel message of Jesus Christ is that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, a fool is so self-absorbed, he's not going to want to believe that. He can't believe that. And that the gospel message says Jesus Christ rose from the dead to save you from your own sin, being dead in your own sin. Now, a fool is so self-absorbed, so self-centered, so self-conscious, he's not going to want to believe that he's already dead to sin. He's not going to want to believe that he's bad in the eyes of the Lord. He's too self-absorbed for that. So that foolish person, unfortunately, the majority of the world will not believe that message, will gravitate away from it, and will somehow feel they want to either make fun of, ridicule, or persecute anybody who takes that position. They put Jesus to death. They mock people. They mock the prophets. They put the prophets to death. Foreign kings came in. They mocked the, the faith of the Jews. They still do it today. Christians are mocked over and over. Because people want to believe what they want to believe, and nobody wants to believe that they're sinners or they are corrupt and they need a Savior. They need a righteous Savior. Someone that will pay their penalty for their own sin. And uh, so, a message, a gospel message, cannot be delivered by a fool. Verse 7, like a lame man's legs which hang useless is a proverb in the mouth of fools. A proverb in the mouth of a fool. God's wisdom in the mouth of a fool is, is completely useless. They're too self-absorbed. Like one who binds the stone in the sling is one who gives honor to a fool. It's just, if you're trying to give honor to a fool, it just gives them <clears throat> stones in a sling. In other words, ammunition to throw around and hurt somebody with. <clears throat> to give them ammunition to build themselves up. And isn't it interesting that today we have such a foolish generation and the foolish generation loves to give honor to itself. You see the news media giving honor to itself. <clears throat> they think they're smart as the words come out of their mouth, and they haven't even hardly thought about what they say. Many of these people don't know history, literature, or economics. They don't know anything about Christianity. Or they might know a lot about different things. But either way, they're so self-absorbed, they will deny God. They will deny how much they need God. But they love to give honor to one another. That's the best 
peer support around when you give honor to foolish behavior over and over and over. And it seems like today the major, the the more <clears throat> uh, radical the ideas are, or the more um, uh, the more extreme the ideas are, <clears throat> people wanna people wanna um, institutionalize those kind of behaviors. And if you don't agree with them, of course you must be a hateful person. That type of thing. So, people with extreme behaviors, foolish behaviors, denying God, they want to they seek honor for themselves. They want to be given honor just for their behaviors these days. Verse 9, like a thorn that goes up into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of the fool. It's a thorn in your hand. Not helpful at all. Just another illustration of how fools cannot identify with God's wisdom because their heart is too self-centered. Verse 10, like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or a drunkard. If you hire a fool, all you're going to get is foolish behavior. They're so self-absorbed, and they just hurt everyone in their path. Verse 11, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Foolish behavior is just like vomit. Dogs will go back and lap it up. Now, that's kind of gross, but it, you know, of course it's true. If you've ever seen a dog vomit, they'll go back and lick it up. It's just a crude example of crude behavior. Verse 12, do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. <clears throat> Be careful. This is a word to the wise here. People who think they're wise in their own eyes better have a gut check. Better, better um, be careful. Wisdom comes from God. The beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. And understanding that reverent fear, just how dead we are in our sins, and how awesome, mighty is God. The Bible is a book about the Lord Jesus. It's not a book about how, of, about us and where we find ourselves, quote-unquote, and work our problems out. No, it's about the Lord Jesus. There's no wisdom in this world except for the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Truth. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the only wisdom in this world. So be careful when you consider yourself smart or wise in your own eyes. And that's so convicting, you know. Because sometimes if you're in a position to train other people or to look out for other people, maybe you're a father or a mother or a husband or a wife, you know, you may think, you know, you're in a position to have other people, you have some authority over other people. Be careful. Don't have them think that you're wise in your own eyes. That's really tough. If you're a husband, make sure you humble yourself before your wife. <coughs> Or a wife, humble yourself before your husband. 
Don't try to put on that any wisdom that you might have comes from yourself. It comes from God who gave it to you. Same thing with parents to children. And if you discipline your child, discipline doesn't necessarily mean spanking them. It can mean giving them discipline that comes from God. Giving them God's discipline, which is God's wisdom. Instruct them in the Lord first, and then you can punish them. They'll remember it much longer. Then we get chapter 13 down to 19, and I'll read all these. They all they all go kind of together. This is, we've been talking about dealing with fools. Now we're talking about dealing with lazy people. Okay? Verse 13, the sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. In other words, they have an excuse for not going out, maybe going to work, or not going out and doing something. You know? It's sort of that imagined threat. I don't want to do that because, you know, they might do this and somebody might do that, you know. They make excuses. There's no lying out there. So get out there and go to work. Verse 14. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard sleep on his bed. Oversleeping, just tossing and turning and not being any not not being productive. <clears throat> Verse 15, a sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back and forth to his mouth. We talked about that. Just people who keep their hand in the food dish don't even want to bring it to their mouth. <clears throat> and I've also <clears throat> made an analogy uh, before uh, to eating. You know, the food dish, the food has uh, been described, uh, Jesus described uh, the Word of God as the bread of life, or He is the bread of life. Uh, the, the, the Word of God is nourishment to the soul. Uh, it's been described as spiritual milk. Okay? So, food that you're too lazy to eat. <clears throat> Sometimes when you're just too lazy, the Word of God is right there. Your hand is in it. Your hand is on it. But you won't bring it to your mouth to taste it to get nourishment from it and to grow from it. That's another analogy to someone who's just too lazy to be diligent about trying to study the Word of God, to study the wisdom that comes from God. This whole book of Proverbs is an encouragement from a father to the son to go after and seek out. <clears throat> seek out the Word of God. And as we said in chapter 25, verse 2, it's the glory of God to conceal things, but the, the glory of kings is to search things out. You know, it's, a, it's sort of a, an example. Even if you're a king, you want to search things out. That's, that, that brings glory to the king. When you, do, you're, when, you, when you follow Jesus Christ, you're following his paths, you're following his, his wisdom as well. God doesn't give you all the wisdom right up front. He gives you His righteousness right up front when the Holy Spirit comes inside you and lives inside you. He gives you your salvation. When He hung on the cross, He gives you your, your righteousness when His Holy Spirit is freely given to you and dwells in you. You have righteousness. You have salvation. And you have every spiritual blessing in heaven. But wisdom, God requires us to, to depend on Him still for our wisdom. To learn from Him. To learn from His words. So, in this same example, don't be so lazy not to diligently seek out the Word of God. 
and to put the word in your mouth to eat it, to get nourishment from it. Don't be like the, the lazy person that just leaves his hand in the food dish and just too lazy to even bring it to, your, to his mouth to eat it. Verse 16, the, slug, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Again, puffing yourself up, thinking you're wiser than you should be. Wisdom only comes from God. Verse 17, whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. If you're foolish enough to start meddling in somebody else's fight, somebody else's quarrel, that's like taking a passing dog by the ears and trying to walk that dog holding on to that dog's ear. That dog's going to bite you. You know, if it's a stray dog or a passing dog, go grab his ears. Watch yourself get bit. Okay? So, I don't think that's talking about having a um, a Christ-centered heart for your neighbors to love one another. But if there's a quarrel going on, it's not your own, and it it's about some worldly matter. It's not that's not your position to try to settle people's earthly quarrels. Keep your heart Christ-centered. And if the other people in the quarrel have Christ-centered hearts, they won't be quarreling. Trying to settle an argument between two people whose hearts aren't even centered on Christ, that's a fool's errand. So you have to be really discerning about that. And again, that goes back to verse 26, um, chapter 26, verse 4 and 5. You know, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Verse 18, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. You know, <clears throat> be careful and, and, and uh, be discerning on what people say. The tongue is, is uh, so easy to deceive somebody with your tongue. And it feels so good to, to say something that's not true and watch people act on your words. Your words don't mean anything. You can hurt so many people. The arrows can pierce someone else, hurt their hearts, or kill them spiritually, emotionally. You have to be careful, especially to the person who says, I'm only joking. Verse 20, For a lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, Quarreling ceases. In other words, <clears throat> it takes two to argue. And if there's nobody who's whispering secrets or gossip or things like that, if you don't do that, quarreling can stop. <clears throat> people love to gossip. They love to hear things about people. And it's such a source of ungodliness and ungodly behavior. You really have to watch it. Verse 21, is charcoal to hot embers and wood to a fire. So is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. What's a quarrelsome man all about? Just remember, it takes two to quarrel. If you have a godly heart, a Christ-centered heart, you're not going to quarrel. 
Verse 22, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Another warning about being a gossiper. They are delicious. People love to hear a tasty gossip about somebody. Oh, and people even would stop what they're doing and they can just, or even get a snack so they can sit there and eat popcorn or eat something so they can just, oh, I want to hear all the delicious details of what happened. Tell me about what happened with this other person. You know, it's like entertainment. It's, for some people, it's even better than watching television or going to see a movie. They love it. It's not Christ-centered. And uh, it doesn't do God's work. So if you do hear things about other people, it's better to keep them in secret. So a lot of good wisdom that comes from the Father in heaven to us. I pray that they were helpful to you. And I pray that they were encouraging to you and instructive to you. They certainly were to me. So for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts Christ-centered. And just a note, um, my partner and co-host Matali, uh, as far as I know to this week, is still with family and traveling in Zambia. Um, I will keep you posted. And when she's uh, available and back in a position to uh, resume her part of the podcast, we'll get her right back on it as well. So for me to all of you, God bless you, and we'll see you next time.